kind of old-fashioned cop who preferred working the streets and making arrests to taking tests toward promotion. He was the closest thing New York had to a dirty Harry. This is One Tough Podcast on the OG Podcast Network. Here's your host, Bo Deedle. Welcome to One Tough Podcast. I'm joined here, as always, with Carlo. It's a little late today, but that's okay, Carlo. I'm here, and uh, we're ready to go. And we have a really great guest, and uh, one of my guys that I admire, and I don't, I'm not ashamed to say it, he's got his little downfalls, but he's still our great president, Donald Trump, and I love and respect him. I was at his wedding, his last one, and uh, and I was just with him about a month, month and a half ago down in Florida, and uh, we uh, we love the president, and I, and I say it publicly, and today we have our friend who just wrote a book it's called The Real Deal, George Surreal. Thank you for having me on, Bo. I appreciate it. And let me tell the people who you are. You are the... Uh, Trump Organization, for 12 years you were over there, and you were working directly alongside uh, President Trump before he's president, and right up to his years of inauguration, and you were the uh, executive vice president and counsel to Trump, so I guess you weren't like the other guy there. Michael Cohen, uh, there's a little, uh, <laughs> little difference between us. I was the, uh, the real guy doing the work. Yeah. Um, uh, totally different. Uh, you know, Mike didn't represent any of us. No, and you want to know something? It was just funny, and we got we're going to go through certain things. But it's just funny that when he was testifying before the House subcommittee there, and all of a sudden he said, "I never wanted a job with Donald Trump. He's he was I I didn't want to have nothing to do with him. I I then tweeted out, he's a damn liar because." I, Personally, he's told me at least a half a dozen times. I thought I was going to be the general counsel to the president of the White House and all that. So I tweeted out, Congressman Meadows picked it up, and he sent it out. We got a we got a tweet from Bo Deedle saying he's a damn liar, and they went it went I think a million hits, right, uh, Colin? And it was entered into the congressional record that Bo Deedle said he's a damn liar because he told me, I'm, and I said I'll go there and I'll testify. I'm glad you called him out because, like uh, you. I don't think a day went by during the transition period where he didn't tell me and everybody else around him, hey, I'm going to be the next chief of staff or oh, you know, maybe I'm going to be the attorney general. So we, we were all amazed when he sat up there in front of the world and said. And I, I was surprised, that, you know, with the president. I was surprised. They, but, you know, he was like the schlepper. Go get coffee. That's exactly what that, that, that nice guy. But, you know, he then started using his influence to get money from corporations that he had such influential stuff with the with the current administration. And that was a damn pack of lies. He went to corporations and said, oh, you hire me. You'll give me a couple million dollars. You'll have access to the president. And I mean, he, he was kind of unscrupulous and he got bit in the ass as far as with his taxi cabs and his loans. And that all he brought it all about himself. And he tried to pin it on the president. You know, look. Even while he was working there, everybody knew that he spent 90% of his time doing his own stuff. The guy had taxi cabs. He had buildings. Yeah. Uh, he never really was involved in any of the core of the business. The guy didn't run projects. He didn't close deals. He wasn't part of the legal department. You're right. I'd be disingenuous if I didn't say he wasn't a nice guy. The guy was my yeah. friend. And, you know, for the record, I wish him well. Okay? I hope he spends his time in prison smartly. I yeah. hope he comes out a better guy. But you are right. He lied to Congress. 
He didn't pay his taxes, and he defrauded banks. That's why he said he defrauded jail. corporations right. with the bullshit. And I do. I'm allowed to. Oh, curse we're, we're allowed me. to say bullshit. That's yeah, good. I'm I allowed can... to say that on, on this podcast. Okay. It's one tough <laughs> podcast, and we we say what we really feel. We like the truth because, right. like I said, I cut through everything. And in reality, he shook down companies, and he unlawfully took money, and he lied to them about his influence with the president. That's right. And that's that's bottom line. You know, I'd like to know, like, how you got started with because I go back with Donald. Excuse me. I'll call him Mr. Trump, uh, President Trump, respectfully. I go back with about 35 years. I helped settle a couple of things. But I think before you were around with the uh, were you around at the time of the. Trump the World casinos, Tower. The, no, the casino. No, we didn't even do uh, the. We didn't get to the World Tower. No, that was, that's before uh, my time. Well, the casino thing with Mel Weiss and him. No, no. Yeah, no, well, I, I was. Me. I was involved with kind of like settling that a little bit. And <laughs> nothing illegal. Just like I think we should maybe talk. He's got this. You got that. Let's talk and let's sit down. And then the Trump Tower thing. I got mad at him because he <laughs> he, he told a fib. Put it that way. And I I got angry with him. And I did. I did threaten him, and then Matt called me up, Calamari, and I threatened him too. I said, you know what, you don't lie to Bo Deedle. I mean, look, it is what it is. And then after that, it's just funny, uh, my friend Sheldon Brody opened up a whole floor on the 17th floor of Trump sure. Tower. And I invited me over there. When I show up there, they didn't believe. All of a sudden, the security guys are on there talking, talking, Bo's here. I went myself, and I saw uh, Donald Trump standing there, and he goes, hey, Bo, how you doing? Then he calls me up, and he goes, you know, I've decided – you could be my friend again. If you know Donald <laughs> Trump, that's the way he is. I yes. just start laughing. I said, Donald, I didn't do nothing wrong to you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a very loyal guy. Uh, we have things about, uh, about uh, Donald Trump, the business guy, tough business guy, tough to get paid by, tries to <laughs> chew you down. Whatever bill you give him, he laughs and he says, no, it ain't going to be that. He's a tough guy. And that's why I like him as president because right. he's cutting through the bull crap and he's saying, no, no, Boeing, you're charging too much money for these Air Force Ones. We have to bring it down a little bit. And he's trying to do that with everything around America and people, the lobbyists, especially, are flipping out. Out because he's he's not letting business be done like usual. He's a businessman that cuts the fat away. He could build better than anybody. He knows how to build. He's not just a developer. I know a lot of developers, but Donald Trump is a construction developer. That's right. He brings a real street smart business sense, a certain ferocity that no one has really seen in the White House to the White House. But look, look at what we're dealing with right now. The world's a dangerous place. Um, between terrorism, uh, all the issues we have with trade and China and yeah. other countries. Well, I, we need a tough guy in the office like that that says, you know what, let's take a look at North Korea. How ridiculous is that past administrations have been paying this guy to control him? And, 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 and the perfect thing with NATO, I mean, he said, look, enough is enough. You're going into the toilet bowl, Europe, because you've accepted these multi-millions of people into your cities. You go, I mean, I love Europe. Go to uh, Paris, Rome, uh, Athens. I've been there in the last two years. All these, these cities are uh, crime-ridden. Poor Germany there. Uh, there's more rapes, robberies going on right now. Europe is in a, is in a real downfall because they've 100%. accepted. And that's what the president's trying to do with our southern border. We don't want that in America. People don't get it. And just... 
They hate him because he's so tough. And he said, look, we got to know who's coming in our country. And then NATO, we've been paying the majority of it. And the United Nations also, hey, we're not going to do that. We're not idiots. We're protecting you. You start paying for it. And nothing he says I'm against at all. You know, he can say it a little rough and tough and around the edges, but the direction of what he says is only to be complimented in the sense that he wants to cut through the crap and get to uh, get to get things done. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. And you mentioned immigration, you know, Bo, I'm an immigrant. So my, okay. My I, I, I immigrated here legally. I mm-hmm. uh, came over with my parents. We went through the process. Where are you from? Uh, I got a very, very strange background. Uh, my father is a Christian from Egypt. We're Coptic Orthodox. Uh, he left Egypt uh, in the 60s. There's a lot of discrimination against Christians. What was that group of people that these these uh, these, these ISIS were killing the Christians there? Oh, they're wiping out. Uh, they've uh, attacked all the communities the in church Syria. Is there, the church is there. It's the actually something, uh, Bo, now that I, I'm out of the organization, uh, yeah. I'm going to really spend a lot of my free time focusing on protecting Christian communities but in the Middle East. What was the name of those... Christians that were in Egypt there that they they attacked the churches. Well, that's a, that's us, the Coptic Orthodox. That's us. That that's our church. Uh, we we have attacks, unfortunately, uh, on an ongoing basis. And for the first time, just last week, we had a U.S. president issue an official press statement commemorating everything we've done, saying he's going to protect our people. Uh, he's a good man, and these are issues he cares deeply about. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get involved. With these some of that is, stuff. This is something that our former president, for some reason, didn't choose to to address. And I mean, look at let's be honest, Trump addressed everything. And I mean, that's what pisses people off because he's opening up all the dirty little secrets on all aspects, whether it be the uh, 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 the voting, whether whatever it is, he's opening it up, and people don't like it. They don't like transparency. They like them to fog up. Look at, with all respect to President Obama, he was one of the most articulate guys. He could have been the greatest person to bring us all together. Instead, he divided the country. Couldn't get it done. Uh, and uh, another interesting thing about my background, my mom is from Scotland. She was born in the same wow. town as the Egyptian president. Egyptian and Scottish? Yeah, not only that, but she's from a really small island, the Isle of Lewis, a town called Stornoway. And that's how I met him. I was working on a deal where I was representing a group of Wall Street guys that were trying to build up Bedminster, and they weren't going anywhere. Trump came along, bought the place. 2002 groundbreaking ceremony. I just walked up to him and said, uh, I mean, he was literally standing at the you know, buffet table getting some shrimp. And I said, I heard your mom was born in Sornaway. He said, yeah, that's true. How do you know about Sornaway? I told him, well, that's where my mom was born. Wow. And I spent every summer holiday over there. You were an attorney at that time? I was an attorney, and uh, we started talking. And at the time, I was living in New York. I wanted to buy an apartment. So, of course, hey, you got to oh, come I, to Trump World Tower, the greatest building in the world. Greatest golf course. Greatest I want you in there. The but you know what he said to me, Bo? He said, call this person and come to see me next week. I want to get you in the building. Now, a lot of people say things like that, but I did it. And I was amazed. A week or two later, I'm signing a contract. I'm in Trump World Tower. I got elected president. Uh, I got involved in a bunch of issues, started to do more and more work with him. And, you know, one day he said, look, why don't you... Come on board. Come and work with me. I bought all this land in Scotland. Our families are from Scotland. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. I told him that problem is I never built a golf course or a hotel. It's not my thing. He said, even better, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. We'll have fun. 
and I've been with him uh, ever since. And you do all the all the uh, just not just the golf course. You do buildings also. Yeah, I did a lot of projects for the organization over the years. I really transitioned out of the law department to really pure development. So I worked with him. I did a lot of work also with Don, Eric, and Ivanka. Mm -hmm. Then when he was elected, I was asked to kind of go back into law, take on this role as chief compliance counsel. For the Trump organization. Uh, for the whole organization. So I really implemented the compliance program. I really, my job was to have a clear line of separation between the executive office of the president and the organization. To keep that separate. To keep yeah. it separate. Uh, I dealt with all the congressional inquiries. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been back and forth with, you know, virtually every, you know, Democrat that you can think about now, um, sparring with them for the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, when it came time to doing this book, I just felt it was the right thing to move on. I'm always going to support the Trumps. Did the president give you the blessing on this? He did. I, I sat in the Oval Office, and uh, it was an interesting conversation. He was kind of going on about these guys come in here, they interview for half an hour, and they write a book. They say, oh, I'm Trump's biographer. So I said, look, well, president, why don't you let me write a book? And he said, you know. Well, he knew it was going to be. 30 seconds of silence. Well, he knows. He knew one thing. He liked you. You weren't going to give him a lynch job like another one. Oh, hello, Mr. President, I'm your friend. And next thing they stick it. You know? Well, I think there was, uh, you know, one thing that's a, a very important aspect of working in the Trump organization was the concept of trust. Uh, I think if you were to ask the president, what do you think of Soriel? All right. Maybe I'm not the smartest guy out there. Maybe I'm not the fastest guy out there. I didn't go to Harvard. OK, but we trusted each other. And I, I think that's ultimately what led him to say, look, you go out there and write a book, make it great, do whatever you want, just make it great. If my friends don't do this, who else is going to do it? And that's what I did. And it wasn't just my stories. I, I pulled a lot of people from the organization in. Yeah, that's something that I think the listening audience has to understand the vastness of the Trump organization. You know, I was one of the original members of Mar-a-Lago. I think I've been, uh, I think it expired a while ago, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I used to play it. I think it's one of the greatest golf courses in Florida, Trump International, the original 18 holes. Right. The add-on, I'm not crazy about. But I, you know, I tell it like it is, but he just, everything he does, he does the best. That's right. And he makes it the best. And who am I? Bo, what do you think of this golf? Donald is the greatest looking golf. Bo, what do you think about this? Bo, he uh, loves to get your accolades right. about what he does. And truly, even if you go into Trump Tower, just the way he does things, he makes you feel, and he makes people feel good. I've been many a times having dinner in Mar-a-Lago when he just comes over to the, all the people over there. He has this interaction. And to know President Trump is to love President Trump. And why don't you talk about the vast size of the Trump organization? What is included with that? I think the listing people don't, don't really understand how big it is. Well, we've built uh, a number of commercial uh, and residential developments all over New York. And since then, we've expanded. Uh, one thing Don, Ivanka, and Eric have done a tremendous job of is bring the company international. So we now have 19 different golf resorts and properties. We have a dozen wow. hotels, uh, and we've built a hell of a lot in New York and around the world. You were involved with Doral also? I was involved uh, to an extent with Doral. Uh, mm. I focused on primarily overseas stuff, but I did another number of projects in New York with Eric. Um, and, you know, obviously I did a fair amount of legal work, but really the past couple of years it's become all 
fighting with Congress. So you say Eric is more more in hands than Junior? Yeah, I think Eric is, you know, both of these guys. First of all, the whole, you know, kind of what you, you made a really good point about how he's at Mar-a-Lago, how he comes around and talks to people. He's a regular guy. He doesn't want to be put in a private room away from people. He wants the table right and in the middle. have his meatloaf. That's right. His Donald Trump meatloaf. That's that, his favorite. Yeah, that, that's right. He's a regular guy like you, like me. He wants to be around the people. He enjoys talking to people. He's social. He's approachable. He's easy to deal with. Don and Eric are like that, too. Okay, they're the hardest working guys in the company. They were never given any special privilege because they were the boss's kids. So they're respected. Um, and they've been great to work with as well. But People around the president, you know, like you have Anthony's a friend of mine, Scaramucci, for a long time. You know, he went in there 11 to 12. I personally think he was a great asset. But, but you know, what had happened happened, and that and that's it. But to be negative about the president, you know, there's one guy that always jumps out. He comes from my uh, my history, my life, um, who I have a tremendous amount of respect, and I talked to him quite a lot lately, and Keith Schiller. He was his security guy. guy, And I'm going to tell you something. I have so much respect. I'm so glad he started his own business now, and uh, he's doing the security. I think he's the security director for the National Republican Convention. That's right. Keith Schiller is is the consummate loyal guy. No matter what you do, you can put him on one of those things that pull your body apart. Keith Schiller will stand there and take it. He's a great, loyal guy. And anybody who has the good fortune of working with him or letting him do business for you, Keith Schiller is a loyal man. 100%. And the way I always describe Keith is best man in the company. Best That's man a great in the company. Describing uh, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, Keith and I have been close for a long time. He moved down to Florida. Yeah. So now I. You know, he lives five minutes away from me. We have breakfast every Friday. Uh, love the guy. Couldn't and he's say got some good, good things, things happening. I know. Oh, he's doing really And I'm going to, I tell him, you he's know. He's killing it. I've been in the business now 34 years. I told Keith, Keith, I know how you don't make the mistakes, how you go. And, and you know, to survive in business 34 years doing this security investigation crap, it's, it's, it's a compliment to the company. And Keith's got it. All I got to say about him is loyalty, honesty, and respect. That's, that's right. Keith Schiller. And he, he's the American success story. I mean, let's look at yeah. this guy. He started out in the Navy. Yep. Goes over to the NYPD. Yep. Puts his time in with Trump. Yep. Look at him and now. And he had to fight his way there because he came in as a security guy. Yeah. And we know he developed, and he was kind of cock-blocked a little bit by somebody over there. My friend Matt Calamari was a little <laughs> jealous of him because Keith had what he didn't have. You know, he has the credentials there of being an ex-New York City detective. And I have a lot of respect for uh, for Keith, and I I, I hope to uh, to see him in the very, very near future. I think he was flying to Washington today, he told me. But, uh, again, you know, going back to the vast uh, uh, organization of the Trump organization, I think in The Real Deal, do you talk about what really how big it is and what it is? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we're, we're, we're now global. Uh, I, I think back when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in, uh, in northern Jersey, so Trump was always a guy that was larger than life. When I thought about him, he was a guy opening casinos. I can still remember that day when he stood in front of Taj Mahal. Uh, for the record, and it's actually something I told him, 
every time I went to one of his casinos, I lost money. Uh, I, I'd be losing, losing, losing. Then I'd go over to Bally's or something and get it back. But, uh, you know, yeah, the company, one thing Don, uh, Eric, and Ivanka have done is really we've, we've bought it global. I mean, he's taken it out of New York. And then with things like The Apprentice, you know, our footprint is everywhere now. You know, it was all, I was with him uh, election night. We were over in the Hilton. I was with Johnny Myers. You know, John, he used to be the chairman and yep. CEO of General Electric Asset Management. John's a very dear friend of mine. John helped uh, Donald Trump out a lot with monies from GE Asset Management for purchasing properties and stuff like that. So we were close. So when the, uh, when the election night happened, we went to Milos, which is on 55th Street, because sure. we figured we'll walk over Greek to 50th Street. place, right? Yeah, we'll walk over to 56th Street. We said by looking at the polls in the New York Times, this thing should be over like quick, like by 830, this thing. <laughs> but we wanted to go there for one reason, to go and say hi to Donald Trump, not the president-elect at that time, but Donald Trump possibly going to lose. Right. If you look at the New York Times graph, it was 92 to 8, uh, 92 to, to 8 with the exit polls, which were a bunch of bullshit that's again. Right, that's right. And we went over there to congratulate him and say, Donald, you did a great job. To our surprise, and I didn't leave until 3 o'clock. You're talking about a rocky fight. You're talking about the greatest comeback you've ever seen in your life. To watch those red states hit, I mean, I, I just couldn't. My body the, was just levitating watching us win Pennsylvania, win Florida, and then all of a sudden. But when you look at it, you say to yourself, on election night of, of the eve before midnight, this guy was flying to to, to a state to try to win that state. Worked harder than anybody. He's got the energy, and you don't know him personally, Carla, but he's got the energy level of an 18-year-old. 100%. It's, it's crazy. Sleeps four hours a night. Eats some shit food, man. He loves Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's, but I'm going to tell you something. The guy's got energy that no young person can keep up with. Right? I, can, I can attest to that. I can't tell you how many times I would fly overseas with him. We'd do an overnight flight arrive at a construction site. I want to sit down, give me half an hour, let me have a cup of coffee or something like that. Bang, we're out there all day, up and down, up and down. You know, I'm 50, he's 20-something years older than I couldn't keep up with him. No, he's, um, he, he's going, going, going. And, you know, it's just so harsh that, again, the mainstream media, the way they treat him, because they're freaking jealous. This is a billionaire, and what he says, that's like Bo being worth billions of dollars. I'd tell a lot of people to fuck off. Excuse <laughs> my language. But I would, because you know what? When you have the bucks, and he has the bucks, and he tells people the way he feels, he doesn't kiss people's butts. Not he at tells all. you what's right and what's wrong, and he's got great values of following through Even with the military. Look at we were weak. We were weak the last eight years. He built up the military. He goes to see that little crazy man in North Korea, but he's, he's placating. He goes to see our friend from Russia. He's placating. I'd rather have a conversation than a negative, and to meet Donald Trump is to like Donald Trump. 100%. And since you mentioned uh, Kim Jong, uh, Kim Jong-un, you remember the last thing Obama said to him when he was leaving? He said, this is your biggest problem, the Korean Peninsula. That's your biggest headache. Three, four administrations prior had made no progress. What did Trump do? Trump that we know. Let me just go over and talk to him. 
Right. Okay. All the experts are saying, oh, uh, to have a bilateral negotiation. Oh, we, we, we know he's murdered. That. He's murdered hundreds of thousands. He's not, of he's people. not a good guy. He's a murdering piece of garbage. But That's right. What, what do you do with a nut that has his finger on missiles and all? You placate him. I want a guy that protects this country. Okay. At the end of the day, okay, it's unconventional. I'm going to fly over there and talk to him. But look what he achieved. Yep. Is the problem solved? It's not. But we're not worried about missiles. But he's calm. There's dialogue. George, if, if President Trump was in office at the time of Saddam Hussein, I could see him flying over there and I could sit down with him and say, look, you like Frank Sinatra music? I brought you 10 albums. You like porno? I brought a case of porno for you. Two, <laughs> two brothers, Gooey and Mooey there. Let's calm down over here. Otherwise, I'll wipe you out. That would be Donald Trump. I mean, we maybe wouldn't even have had a got into Iraq. I mean, Donald would have would have handled this differently. Well, what did it get for us? I mean, that's uh, that's one thing as a guy that's got a Christian background in the Middle East. Saddam Hussein, although he was a murderer, a lunatic, mm. he protected our churches. Uh-huh. Okay, he kept these kept fundamentalists the order. down. <laughs> so what do we have now? We got chaos. So yeah, and right. we, that and was the opening for ISIS. That's right. With this whole caliphate. And you want to know something? He, he just, I just pray to God. And I told him when I was with him with you down in Florida, I, I, I really want to get involved. Anything I could do to help. Because I, I have a grandson and kids. If he doesn't get reelected, this country's in real bad trouble. 100%. I've got a five-year-old son, a two-year-old daughter, and I worry about them. I, I think we're now, we're at a turning point. Look, I, I lived in Manhattan for 17 years. Oh. Okay, I haven't been coming back that much lately. I'll just give a little story. We were walking down to Fox yesterday to do an interview. First, we stumble across a dead body, okay, <laughs> lying out on the corner, okay? Garbage everywhere. You know, what, what the hell is going on here? What is going on is that they, they reelected a mayor, that doesn't want to be mayor. He doesn't want to do anything. He's a lazy piece of God. He's the exact well, well, opposite of Donald Trump. What the hell Trump. is going on here? And this is, this is what I use the example because these people now want to take the country over. $800 million was in the last four years has gone into mental health. His wife was controlling $250 million last year. When asked, what will you do with the money? Oh, we had some senior citizen homes that we've been talking to. Hey, if I ever reach 80, I'll, I'll be depressed. But the real mental illness is the 60000 on the street. The real mental illness is in our, right. in our correction facility. The real mental illness is in our classrooms. When you have kids that are mentally ill that you can't remove, you can't take them. So the other 32 kids have to succumb to this disruption in their learning ability. There's so many issues. And that was one of the reasons when I ran for mayor, I didn't have a shot, and they made sure I didn't have a shot. I tried to run as a Democrat. Am I a Democrat? You know better than that. But you know what I figured? Let me beat them up during the primary and then run as an independent. Then I called the other moron there, the head of the Republican Party, Ed Cox, that's out because he was an idiot. And I said, look, let me run against your candidate. And if she beats me, I'll Drop out and support. No, no, we can't do that, Bo. She was a nice person. She didn't have the power and the ability to attack him because I know deep down inside if I had that uh, that uh, uh, floor, I could have attacked him on the issues that everyday people that go to work right. will be concerned. See, what they did, too, is they controlled the Board of Elections. I went to the Supreme Court. 
appellate court and court of appeals. He had his general counsel with two lawyers in my courtroom. What does that have to do with him? It's Just crazy. to show they had to block him because I was the the other side that they couldn't control. And if I was elected, the city council was very frightened. If I did get elected, I would disrupt what they're doing. That's another bunch of moronics there. You got a moronic well, city council. You have Big Bird de Blasio. That's what you see. You see on Fifth Avenue up in the 70s and 80s, tents being put up along Fifth Avenue. Insanity. Well, that's why, I mean, look at somebody my, myself. I moved down to Florida. I got tired of it. Wow. Uh, but I, I think what you're seeing happening here is the epitome of what could happen to the country. That's exactly right. And, you know, I, I can't let, yeah, I mean, another thing, look, I don't give a damn what people do in their homes. Okay, uh, right. people want to smoke pot. I don't care. Me too. I'm not going to judge. Every time I step out in the seat, I got my five-year-old son. Some guy's blowing pot in my face. I don't want my son well, to see or that. Or when they come up with the ridiculousness of public urination is acceptable, you can arrest them. I put a bullseye on Gracie Mansion. I did a news guy. I said, here, pee here on his home. Why haven't people done that, though, Bo? That's what I, 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 I was talking to my friend. Why haven't people just gone out in the street and hauled these people out in front of City Paul Hall and Put them in front of a firing squad. Yeah, but when you have a mayor that doesn't support the police department, i.e. closing down the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, it's a closing, disgrace. You work all day. You want to go home and have dinner with your family. And you can't. This traffic is stopped because of demonstration. What do you want? Dead cops. When do we want them yeah, now? disgusting. And then that creep from Baltimore, we won't even mention his name, comes and assassinates two of our finest. And it was all... It was all a setting that Big Bird presented that it was open attacks on cops. And look, at the police department of New York City is, is under such siege. That's and terrible. They, and they don't want to get involved. And I understand it because when they get involved, the next thing is they get in trouble. Right. The one who works hard is the one that's going to get in trouble. Well, I'll tell you, you can see it. All right. As a guy that now comes here four or five times a year, I can see a decline every time I come here. Yeah. And it's not the New York that I, lo I loved. No, me neither. And uh, Carlo, you, you ride the subway every day. It's a, it's a mess. But, George, I want to ask you a couple questions. So, you know, you mentioned when you first started to work at the Trump Organization, you know, you had a background as an attorney. What was the learning curve like? What was the difference in the environment? What's uh, uh, President Trump's management style like? Um, and also, what does the media get wrong about uh, the president? Well, it was a completely different. Uh, I've been working in law firms, uh, started out in government. Everything was very structured. When I came to the organization, I, I mean, I really didn't know what to expect. First day I was there, I needed to go speak to Mr. Trump at that time. I went to his secretary. What do I need to do? I need to make an appointment. And he sees me. Come on in. You know, just anytime you got something, walk in. So... I kind of realized right away, wow, this guy's really hands-on. He's very involved. He's approachable. You know, he wants the detail. Uh, it was a very unstructured environment, especially he threw me right away into development. Um, but wait, hold a, on. You did say something to follow up on that, Carlo. You did say something. When you said to him, you know, uh, Donald, I know nothing about Galpos. And he, he believed in you that you right. will learn. That's right. And, and, and that, to me, was the greatest... A uh, compliment someone could give you is, hey, I really don't do this. No, but I know you can. Now you're going to do it the best. Well, I'll tell you what he what he did when he gave me the Scotland project. Uh, he said, look, I just want you to go over there. Okay, I want you to walk every inch of the place. I want you to sit down and talk to every person that's working for us. If you don't like somebody, get rid of them. I want you to immerse yourself in every aspect of this project. You'll figure it out. But most importantly, the, what he always said to me is, have Fun. 
Okay, and that was another big theme in the organization. If you didn't love what you were doing, if you didn't like it, if it wasn't in your core, you didn't belong there. You weren't going to fit in. You'd be bounced out. So it was a real, you know, it's a great environment. And I could say, honestly, I used to love my job. I used to love going to work. You know how great of a thing that is to say? Absolutely. Most people get up, they trudge in, they do what they got to do. They're out at five. I loved it. I was happy. He challenged me. He trusted me to get things done. Um, so how, how did I, you know, how did I learn? Uh, I just immersed myself in it. Uh, I observed. I spoke to people that knew what they were doing. Uh, I went and spoke to construction guys. And you got to learn about golf courses. Every detail. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't an expert then, but I became an expert by, by learning. And I, I, I think it's a lesson. You know, you don't have to go to Harvard. You don't have to go to one of these, you know, high-level academic institutions. Take his advice. Listen. Be observant. See the world around you. Talk to people. Ask questions. Learn from them, yeah. That's how you do it. And I, I think that was another, you know, big theme that the guy gave people what they wanted. Mm. Now, that was another. We had a tough dance on a site one day, and it was just me and him. And, yeah, I said, George, people always ask me, why do I, uh, you know, how did I get here? Why did I do so well? Easy answer. Listen, see what people want, and I give it to them. And you know what, Bo? That lesson lives with me every day. And that's what I tell my, you know, my young son. My daughter's still young, but my son's turning six. And I, I tell him, you know, look around. Don't be blind. See what people like. Be aware of your surroundings. Learn. That's what's going to make you happy. That's what's going to make you successful. And I think that's what he did to become president. He knew what people wanted. So what are you actually doing now, George? That's a good question. Uh, I'm, I'm focused on the book. Uh, I am going to do everything I can to help and assist him with 2020. What do you re-election? Uh, so I'll be involved in that to an degree. Um, but it's kind of one step at a time for me. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I really want to get involved in some of these philanthropic things uh, to help Christian communities that have been wiped out by ISIS. And that's something that you know, he has helped me with. Uh, and we're just going one day at a time. Uh, I've got a lot of people coming at me to do different things right now. Uh, but I want to focus would you, on would doing Would you ever this. think about actually a job in the administration? Well, you know. It's a uh, tough thing because you're like a target for everyone. Yeah, I, I got, look, I, I, I'd love to, would I do it to help him 100%? Uh, but I'm in a different phase in my life right now. I'm, you know, I'm turned 50. I kind of did things late. I've got young kids. I'm rooted in Florida. I've got elderly parents down there that I'm taking care of. Yeah. So it's just, you know, had this presented the opportunity 15 years ago, hell yeah, I would have been there. Uh, but I think by leaving the company and kind of being a freelance guy on the outside that can help them and talk to them, I'm still involved. I spend a fair amount of time in Washington now. Yeah. Uh, I'll continue to do that going forward. Uh, so, you know, one step at a time. Let's, uh, I'm getting through this book. I really want, I wrote the book. Part of the reason was I felt that he was maligned by people that didn't know him. And I know him well, and I think through these little stories in the book, I hope that it provides some insight, um, you know, about a guy that's been good to me, aside from my own two parents. My own two parents. There's wow. no one that has helped me more that's some compliment. than President wow. Trump. Wow. 
I mean, uh, all the uh, negative people that dislike the president, they should listen to that statement. You know what, though, Bo? You know a lot of guys in the organization. I mean, you'll, it's not just me. You, you hear a lot of people, people that know him. And, you know, look, it's not unusual that I worked there for 12 years. There's a lot of people that have been there for 25, 30 years. You know, Keith is another guy. He spent almost 20 years with him. Mm-hmm. People don't stick around in those positions if they're not happy. <laughs> They're not working for a and, good And person. you do have to understand, even when I ran for mayor of New York City the last time out, all of a sudden, Easter Sunday, front page of the Daily News, Bo, B-O, O's, O-W-E-S. I didn't offer a compromise <laughs> for a, because uh, I had three homes on Long Island, I had an apartment in New York. I showed I was out of the city for 188 days. The tax was a 4%, 4.5% over a course of one year, which was total about 100-something thousand bucks. All of a sudden, with interest and penalties, it went up to 488000 right? So I knew I was running for mayor, so I gave him 250000 and I said, I'll pay down. It's an offer of compromise. I'll pay the $25,000, even though I had the documentation. I wasn't in the city. I didn't want it hanging over and running for me. They didn't put that in the paper. They put Boos. And everything I did or said, because the judge in the Supreme Court Looked just like Charlene de Blasio, uh, McRae, whatever her name is. Right. And I says, oh, we got a problem. The judge looks just like just like the mayor's wife. Not because they were both black, but that's exactly how they take it out of context. To say that you're a racist. Exactly. And, all that and I mean, I just I get so enraged with that. Anything when you're a political target like the president is, right. and if you're in the administration, if you have a political job, they come. They hey, come at you. You know, on the subject of racism, I mean, look at me. Look how well he treated me. Okay, and I'm an immigrant. Uh, I've never seen him do no, anything no. remotely. I mean, if you look at the company and all the people that work for us, no. anybody who says he's a racist is Because, racist. you know, and then with this Nazi horse shit, and, you know, it's just, it's so, so damn wrong. He would do something for an African-American ahead of doing it for someone else because he knows, you know, he likes to help people. Well, you know what? That's going to show in 2020. You know what? I, He's going to get a lot of votes from the minority communities because I think people have wised up. Well, here's what I here's what I realized. People in America are doing pretty good financially. And because people of who are brown skin, black skin, whatever, they now have conform themselves to working hard. They have children, and they want their children to do well, too. And the country's a better place now. That's right. And to turn it around, and then all of a sudden, to what, what was built up to diminish it. I said to the president when I was down in Florida, I have a great idea, Mr. President. I'd like you to come with me, because I've been, you know, I was a Fox News guy for 12 years, and I've been really crazy about what's going on in Chicago, and no one's dealing with it. Right. President Obama came from there. I think it's 6,000 dead or more in the last 10 years. And it's just so funny that Obama had no inference to help people. I told the president, I said, I'd love to, I'd love to come out of the woodwork again. We could go do a news conference. We could recommend federal RICO to start using federal laws to lock up these gang members that are killing everybody. Get warrants, taking these guns off the street. Show that you care about the black African American community in Chicago. You care about Letitia, who's sitting on a porch, gets shot in the head. It's not all about a questionable cop shooting that Obama had to jump ugly with. What about the six thousand murders in your hometown? I think the president should do more because there's a sleeping 
group of people, African-American and Hispanic, that are hardworking people and care about their kids. And these people can be very appealing to President Trump. You're going to see that in 2020. And you know what, Bo? They're no different. We're, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they want is what you and I want. You know, I want to live in a safe country. I want to have opportunity. I want to know that my kids have opportunity. And I want to know that the guy in the White House is watching our back. Right. Okay, that's really the bottom line. We don't want to be just, oh, we should just give things away. Don't care about who comes in, even though we're going to have 20 million illegal people that we don't even know who they are. They're going to be using our medical. They could go to any hospital, and you can't go if you don't have insurance. I mean, these are issues that are American. And we have to realize it's not a black and white issue. It's being an American, you have to understand that you, what you have, you have to respect and you have to endure. We have freedoms here that people have forgotten. You know, I, I don't know if you saw, but the past couple of days, are, they're busting my balls because I carry a Glock. Okay, every, every interview I go to, oh, my God, this Trump organization guy is carrying a Glock. And I said, wait a minute. Like, let's look at this for a second, okay? I am grateful that I live in a country where my government gives me that right and yeah. gives me that respect. What's wrong with it? How is that even news? Uh, well, people have forgotten their freedoms. Most well, countries don't let you do that. Well, all I know is one thing, and uh, we don't know each other that well, but if you're sure someone who is becoming victimized, you would certainly take action to help that person. And by having an, a, a legal a piece of hardware on you, you certainly can react to something and at least help the police before they come. But you know what else? I mean, it's your right. And I think it should be a right to have law-abiding citizens have that right. I actually take, I'll take it one step further, Bob. I think it's an obligation. You're an upstanding citizen. You know, police can only do so much. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as I feel, you know, as a responsible human being, I have an obligation to carry a gun. I have an obligation to do something if, you if I'm in that crime, situation. Right. And I take it seriously. I train all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that I take lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I think more people got to think like that. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, at the only ones that are really carrying the guns, the majority of them are the illegal guns out there, people That's committing right. the crimes. So why, you know, I don't think there's that many crimes in Texas because or even Florida, people have guns. Everybody And that's it. And I like the law. If you're caught uh, driving a car and you have drinks and you have a pistol permit, you're getting locked up. Know that. When you take that gun, strap it on, you don't go to a bar and you don't go drink it. Otherwise, you won't have a license anymore. That's a very good law, I feel, though. You have to respect the responsibility. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you know, it's very, it's, it's, it's really been very informative to talk with you. And like I said, I'm all, I'm all out again. I've come out of the woodwork publicly a few times about supporting, you know, the reelection. It has to be. It's not. A, it's not a choice. Just can you just imagine one of these psychopaths, the psychopath from Vermont or the the nut from California? Just imagine. Them running the country. I, I, you know, look, I I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but, you know, we're living in a country now where you you don't even have to be a male, man or a woman. Mm. Basic thing. Are you a male or are you a female? All of a sudden now there's another category. (laughs) You know, look, people can do what they want. You know, who am I to judge? But it's that type of thinking. We're at a turning point in this country. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's going to go one way or the other. 
And I yeah. think the president is doing a great job of, of writing a ship that was wrong. And I can never understand. You know, I respect Democrats, Republicans. I respect everyone. I can't understand why they can't find a moderate, a moderate person that is believes in values and rights that could be a Democrat, something that could be appealing. It's so left side. They even took, they've even taken Biden and told him, you can't have that idea. You can't believe in that, Biden. If you believe in that, you're not getting a nomination. you got to believe in all these lefty wing things. To me, it's ridiculous. And the Democrats have to realize if they don't vote for Donald Trump, they're going to get one of these freaking nuts in there. hundred uh, percent. You know, it's just it's a completely out of control situation. Yeah. Uh, no airplanes, no cows. I mean, this is uh, Ocasio-Cortez's uh, <laughs> state. I mean, can you imagine if somebody like her was given uh, wow. given the opportunity? It's scary. But, you know, look, let's just get uh, President Trump reelected and yeah. put an end to this nonsense. How can, uh, all right, we're going to wind down, but I really thank you, George, for coming on board. How can people find you and find out about buying the book, The Real Deal? book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. It's all over the place. Uh, if anybody wants to reach me, uh, my website, Sorial Consulting. Uh, and, Bo, it's an honor. Thank you very much. Uh, you call me anytime, whatever I can do for you. I'm always here. Yeah, and uh, vice versa, if there's anything I could ever help you with. And we really appreciate it. I was Thank very you. excited when Carl it's, told it's, me it's, he it's booked a you for the show. And it's really great that we uh, that we were able to have you at a time. And I recommend the real deal, the book. You real about you read about what President Trump is really about. You don't listen to the left wing news media. Everything he does or says in there. And I have stories with him. He is he is a genius in our lifetime. 100%. Smart, hardworking, loyal, love. Loving American, and he does love this country. I think his only Achilles heel, and he would say it right now, if you could redo it again, what would you have done, President Trump? I know what he would say, because I know Donald. He would have said, you know what? I would have went in the service, because he loves veterans. He He loves veterans, and he would say, you know what? I wish I went in the service, because he trusts and loves veterans more than anything in the world. And I think that's it. When you think about him and to get into Donald Trump's mind, because I know Donald Trump, he would say, I should have went into the service this way. When I speak, I could be speaking from experience. I think you're uh, you're probably right, but uh, he does have great respect for the military. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love that he's restored that kind of thinking. Yes. Uh, I love that he's now given law enforcement the deference that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the country's back on the right track. Oh, please, please. Carlo? All right, George, thank, thank you, you very bro. much. Thank uh, you. We've got some really great insight bro, on what it's much. really like to uh, work for Donald Trump. And I think uh, it really cleared the air on you know a lot of the misconceptions that are portrayed in the media. So please uh, check out The Real Deal. Uh, I think it's, I can't wait to read it. I'm uh, very excited. Uh, and you know, thank you very much for being here. You could follow us on social media. We're at One Tough Podcast on Twitter. Bo is at Bo Deedle on Twitter and at The Real Bo Deedle Hold on Hold on a second. We forgot to do something. We do it on every show. We do something called Punk of the Week. Punk of the Week. Something that bothers you. Could be a thing, a company, whatever. And we always ask our guests, what's your Punk of the Week in your mind this week? What's bothering you? What's bothering me? Um, Well, for one, um, I'm going now down to uh, CNN. And I know that they're going to be all over me about somebody, Stephanopoulos or whoever asked the president, now, if you heard this information, what would you do with it? 
are, are, do we really believe that if somebody came to you and said, you know, I'm not going to listen to it, you got to be stupid if that's your mentality. And this is the and president being truthful. That's right. That's Anybody an else will say, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. I'll report it right to the FBI. Bullshit. That is and bullshit. And he's doing, and he's saying the truth, and by saying the truth, they just pick, 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 pick. And, you know, they always they omit the second half of his statement. Yeah. If there's something in there, then maybe I'll go to the FBI. Okay? Right. That's an Honest, right. give the whole response. context of the statement. Look at if someone tell I'm if I'm running for president of the United States, I'm running, and someone says I got dirt on Biden with Ukraine about money and all that. Well, let me hear it now. If I feel as though it's really negative or something like that, maybe I'll use it on my campaign. It's what they call where you get Being smart. Yeah, you get stuff against your candidate. And what did Hillary do? Duh. She jumped and paid money that was all lies. Anyway. Nobody would be talking about any of this. It was Hillary. Right. And my second beef, just being in New York for the past week, is the Blasio's got to clean this goddamn city up. Okay. He it's, ain't it's just it. It's a disgrace. He's because finished. I love New York and I consider myself at my heart. You know, I'm a New Yorker. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a disgrace. <clears throat> He's got to clean it up, get rid of the garbage. And the nonsense. What about you, Carlo? My punk of the week, even though I'm a Yankee fan, the punks that shot David Ortiz. Oh, their bags. It was a terrible mm. thing to do. Yeah, he was, he's a, he, was a, he was a great, he's, he is a great ball player. He was a great idol. Dominican Republic, you got the seventh or eighth person dead. They're, they're poisoning people there. And I just want to tell everybody, my punk of the week is don't go to Dominican Republic. <laughs> we have a place called Puerto Rico that's just as warm. And spend your money in Puerto Rico. It's part of it's us. Part of America. And I'm going to be the big Puerto Rican advocate. Don't go to Dominican Republic. Go to Puerto Rico. Enjoy <laughs> your vacation. And that's my punk of the week. All right. So you heard it right there. We got some uh, great insight from George Soriel. And uh, you can email us any questions you have on the show, any guest ideas. We're at one tough podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you all. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.